if i were to recommend any designer to learn i would actually say that any designer should learn html css javascript like that should be the basic languages that you should learn how to do doesn't mean that you have to do them on your job like doesn't mean that you have to basically be doing html css and javascript for your own designs but you just know how those languages work and then how you can basically uh, convert your designs into like code because that also allows you to understand okay like for example if this particular design will take i don't know like 6 months to develop can i improve the design or can i reduce the complexity of the design to uh, help the developer develop it in 3 months let's say as you grow and get into a bigger company or bigger startup sort of a, a background you see that you start to work on a very small part of the entire problem so if you work at a company like e-commerce you won't be working on everything that the company does you will be working on a very small part of it let's say you're working on just taking care of motion design for the company or you're working on taking care of how people actually transact go from tra- dashboard to a transaction uh, in like five different steps one of the designers in the podcast they told us you should basically start um, documenting your work you should basically document uh, your process your work whatever thoughts come to your mind you should start documenting them online so that others can read and learn from it and also it kind of creates helps you to create a repository of work that you might actually go back and look at What's up, everybody? I'm Guo, and you're listening to the Not Just Pixel Show. There's a lot to learn as a designer, so in this show, I sit down with design professionals to understand how to grow as a designer and help you get that UX design internship or job. Let's get into it. Today, I'm talking to Dananjay Garg, DJ for short. DJ currently works at Foodpanda as a senior product designer. Now, I first discovered DJ on Medium, as he has over 26k followers and is a prolific writer. And the more I looked into his career journey, I realized that he has a lot of experience designing in different types of startups, both in India and Southeast Asia. Thus, we hopped on a call, and here we are. We talked about coming from a non-traditional background into design, designing in India and Southeast Asia, writing, and a lot more topics. If you're interested if a startup is a right fit for you or want to learn about non-western design, then you'll definitely enjoy this episode. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with DJ. DJ, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on the show, Go, and thanks for inviting me to the Not Just Pixels podcast show. Love that. Yeah, I'm super excited about this one. So, I wanted to start with your early career and I know you know during your college years in Nagpur University you studied electronics and telecommunication. I'm curious like coming from a non-traditional background which in your case was electronics engineering, how did you transition from that to what you're doing right now which is product design? Right. Uh so coming from a non-traditional background like electronics and telecommunication, I feel like uh transitioning back then when i was when i passed my engineering that was not super hard because uh, i think startups were coming up like 
startups was a buzzword back then people did not know a lot about startups and what they do and like i mean i think uh, very few entrepreneurs actually were going deeper into starting their first companies uh, not like what it is right now so design was a field which was something that was unheard of like i mean it was still a non glamorous field and something mm-hmm. like that um, when i was doing my engineering i actually got interested in uh, graphic design so uh, just to give you a background i'm mm-hmm. actually coming from a like since childhood i'm coming from a traditional arts background so i actually uh, learned how to do sketching painting drawing all those sort of things on a traditional pen and paper sort of a medium mm-hmm. and then i wanted to convert that towards like a comic sort of a thing so i was like deeply interested in comics and mm-hmm. i wanted to learn how like companies like marvel and dc they convert they actually artists must be drawing like comics like spider man and all and then mm-hmm. converting it to like a more of a digital medium um, i wanted to learn that and so i started reaching out to a lot of the folks on deviant art at that time and uh, they basically told me okay you need to do this you need to learn how to do tracing and you need to learn how to do basically uh, softwares like photoshop and illustrator at that time and that was my introduction to design in a way where, where i did not know anything about product design but in a way mm-hmm. i was getting into photoshop and illustrator and learning those tools and how to create graphical elements using those mm-hmm. um, very quickly that actually converted into like a freelance opportunities a lot lot of times working with us companies and also uh, in india every year you will have uh, tech fests or you know like for example a gathering of tech fests of different colleges participating in different events and i used to do like those banners and brochures mm-hmm. and uh, graphical backgrounds for all of those tech fests uh, and i used to sometimes get paid uh, or sometimes get paid in terms of recognition from different mm-hmm. colleges and that was my beginning to design and then after i passed my engineering i actually had more offers from companies or uh, more offers from uh, startups who were ready to hire me as a designer versus ready to hire me as a developer or a uh, oh, coder or something like that right mm-hmm. so yeah so i think i got into design after that like i actually got into startups after that and uh, learned product design from there got it i see so it sounds like there's ele- electronics engineering and then graphic design came into the picture as well was product design something that you learned on the job or was it um yeah something that you learned outside of when you were exploring graphic design and also engineering so uh, exactly so i actually learned um product design on the job uh, back then it was not called product design it was called mm-hmm. ui ux design uh, so actually i started working at a company and they would give me ad hoc tasks to do like for example they would say uh, can you go and go about creating like a few dashboards for us can you create like a few website designs uh, do you know how to implement these website designs in html and css and do you know how to use javascript so it used to be like a set of task that i used to keep doing from uh, on a daily basis and that was my learning curve into product design uh, so back then there was no term as product design it was not a buzzword people didn't want to get into product design uh, it was not something that people aspired to become uh, mm. like right now i can see like colleges have actual product design uh, courses there are so many boot camps that are actually 
they are online and people can attend six month two month three month boot camps back then it was not like that so it was like basically okay you're working at a startup they have designs like they want to launch an app or they want to launch a website and they need mm-hmm. designs they need icons they need illustrations they need colors they need like visual right. elements how do you go about doing that like that was product design back then mm, interesting yeah so it it sounds like it imitates also i guess like a freelance work as well it's like at the time what the company wants to to create whether that's icons websites um different graphics it seems like you were all handling that so it seems like you're wearing like different hats as a designer early on exactly uh so uh, if i remember my first startup that i worked in it was like a startup that was doing a similar similar work like shopify mm-hmm. and i had to like literally sit on different cold calls and actually do marketing visuals and mm-hmm. also do like sales visuals and brochures for the other teams like other team members wow. to succeed in their endeavors or their targets to reach and that kind of i felt that like the things that i learned during my engineering how to do graphic design or how to do photo manipulation all of those things came in handy when i started working at a startup because in startups at that time there was no filter like you had to do everything you had to mm-hmm. do graphic design you had to do product design you had to do illustrations icons motion everything that is uh, inside the umbrella of design you have to mm-hmm. do that uh, there was no distinguishing factor or different domains that you have to capture like right now that we like i mean right now product designers just do product design they don't do mm-hmm. other things yeah mm-hmm. so it sounds like because all the different types of work that you had to do on a startup would you say like graphic design and also studying engineering do you think it helped add to your work or your skill sets as a designer so initially when i started into design as a field i uh, like i did not feel that engineering as a degree helped me in any ways i actually honestly felt that it was like a waste of time and money uh, because mm-hmm. i spent like 4 years getting the engineering degree and mm. uh, in a way no one asked me for my degree and even now when i get into a college or something sorry when i get into a company they don't really ask me oh uh, can you get me your engineering degree show me your engineering degree or something like that so mm-hmm. i felt it was like a big waste of time and money uh, initially but then mm-hmm. as i got into much more matured startups or much more matured companies uh, i felt that no it was not a complete waste so one of the things that i picked up back then in engineering was coding so i actually had a very basic background in coding like i knew c c++ uh, javascript all of those coding backgrounds but then when i was in engineering i actually learned how to do uh, embedded coding and then i actually learned how to do .net and oracle and java coding and all sort of things uh, so now if you ask me can you do java coding i won't be able to do java coding because i don't remember the syntax uh, mm-hmm. of each and every java code problems and everything but today how that helps me is that when i'm sitting with an engineer or when i'm sitting with a developer in a in a company i can mm-hmm. basically change my tone of vocabulary to match with them to match mm-hmm. with whatever mindset that they have and i think a lot of uh, developers in startups actually really admire that that okay i can talk to a designer who has the same wavelength or can talk in similar vocabulary and can understand mm-hmm. my struggles or my worries 
that i have right. when i'm doing a particular code or when i'm doing a particular when i'm developing a design into code mm-hmm. and i feel like a lot of designers now coming with a traditional background in design only does mm-hmm. not understand code at all and that kind of frustrates the developers like that definitely mm-hmm. frustrates the developers because they feel like they are just talking to a rock <laughs> they feel mm-hmm. like okay like i'm saying right. that oh the, the design that you have done it'll take me 3 weeks to develop and then the designer is like oh i did it in one day why do you need 3 <laughs> weeks right so right right yeah no that's really interesting because yeah i i feel like that's also i think really a main difference between like product design and also graphic design is graphic design oftentimes you don't have to think about the implementation and the build quality of things but for product design you actually have to like it's definitely beneficial to understand at least like front end development as you're saying and then maybe back end development but obviously that's not like required but it is definitely helpful in that sense yes exactly i think i think back end development is still something that is i mean i i don't see a lot of designers actually collaborating with back end developers day in day out but mm-hmm. front end development like if i were to recommend any designer to learn i would actually say that any designer should learn html css javascript like that should be the basic languages that you should learn how to do doesn't mean mm-hmm. that you have to do them on your job like doesn't mean that you have to basically be doing html css and javascript for your own designs but you just know how those languages work and then how you can basically uh, convert your designs into like code because that mm-hmm. also allows you to understand okay like for example if this particular design will take i don't know like 6 months to develop can i improve the design or can i reduce the complexity of the design to mm-hmm. uh, help the developer develop it in 3 months let's say i wanted to very quickly shift gears into your startup career and i know over the span of your career you have worked at you know startup of different sizes ranging from being a sole designer to now working with over 60 designers which is a lot what are some of the biggest differences and learnings working as a designer in startups of these different sizes yeah i think i think my journey in startup world as well as in the uh, bigger startup world like bigger, bigger company sort of a setup is very interesting because mm-hmm. one uh, in lot of the companies that i've worked in i've never worked in two companies which are doing the same thing mm-hmm. so i've never worked in two companies which are doing like let's say pharmaceuticals or let's say fintech design or mm-hmm. e-commerce like uh, if you look at my profile or if you look at my past experiences i've always worked in companies that are starkly different from each other uh, so the kind of problem statements that i get to solve is also starkly different my mm. mindset changes my mindset need to be changed a lot uh, when i join a new company uh, mm. every now and then and then i feel like uh, going from a small six people startup to like a startup which has like i don't know couple of thousands thousand of mm. people uh, yeah. i think the main difference is uh, you basically get to work on a very small thing versus you get to work on everything so i think mm-hmm. that is the main difference between working at a very small startup so let's say i am a sole designer working at a startup of 6 to 10 people company i think i have to do everything like you have to go help the ceo design mm-hmm. his or her decks uh, yeah. you also have to 
help the product designers you have to help marketing sales uh, you have to do growth initiatives you have to uh, get into smaller things like for example ha- get into hackathons quite frequently mm-hmm. uh, without mm-hmm. having an official hackathon uh, every now and then mm-hmm. and then as you grow and get into a bigger company or bigger startup sort of a, a background you see that you start to work on a very small part of the entire problem so if you work at a company like e-commerce you won't be working on everything that the company does you will be working on a very small part of it let's say you're working mm-hmm. on just taking care of motion design for the company or you're working on taking care of how people actually transact go from tra- dashboard to a transaction uh, mm-hmm. in like five different steps like how do you take care of that like how do you optimize different funnels so that right. people are getting value and because it's a big startup like you must be having couple of million users as well for that particular mm-hmm. company or for that particular right. product your companies actually want you to go and refine each and every funnel or refine each and every uh, screen mm-hmm. or flow and you don't see that in startups like smaller startups yeah you get to do a lot but you don't learn mm-hmm. those learn those skills like funneling and you don't learn how to basically fine tune smaller parts of your application like i think that mm-hmm. that particular part can only be learned at a bigger company or a bigger setup got it yeah so definitely the scope and <clears throat> the scope and the impact of the work definitely differs i'm curious like just out of curiosity like it, it seems like there's like two different spectrums is there any like are you leaning towards one side in terms of like you prefer this side a little bit more like are you more of i like to design everything um that i have to do in the startup or i like to um refine the details in some of the um i guess some of the more important features in a startup i think now uh, at this stage of my career i am more interested in doing something like a small part of the entire problem statement i did actually work in very small startups or startups which are of a, a very small impact for mm-hmm. like at least 7 years and i've actually mm-hmm done exploring that like i felt that okay like this is something that i don't want to get into often because mm-hmm. it's just sometimes what i feel is if you're working at a startup which is like a very very small 10 to 50 people sort of a company or a startup you get to do a lot of things but there is a high likelihood that you will also burn out quite quite fast as compared to working at a bigger company or a bigger setup where you get to work on small small things and that kind of becomes like a part of a bigger problem statement that the company is trying to solve i think the burnout rate over there is far lesser as compared to working at a very small company where you get to do or you had to do everything got mm, it yeah so i think that's where work life balance and also just work hours in general comes into the picture like smaller startup definitely has a lot more work to do there might be just assuming that there might be even work hours like outside of a regular 9 to 5. Yeah, if there's other things happening in someone's life, I feel like that would definitely be a burden or extra responsibility. In that case, would you recommend early designers to work at a startup based on I guess like the pros and cons that you listed and what type of startup would you recommend them to join? Yeah, go. Uh, that's a very good question. So I feel like now designers, when I'm talking to designers coming out of a bootcamp or um, coming out of like a course 
from general assembly like for example i feel like designers are much more inclined towards working at a bigger company from day one um, mm-hmm. and i kind of feel that can that particular kind of mindset can hinder a designer's uh, personal growth or personal progress um, in short i feel designers who are just starting out should definitely consider joining a startup and um, it's like it kind of gives you like a little bit more constrained view of how design works or design functions at a mm-hmm. at a company which is much more realistic like i feel working at a bigger company is a less of a realistic thing versus working at a small startup with like 6 or 10 people or i think up till uh, up until 50 people um mm-hmm. you kind of as a designer you get to experience a lot of constraints uh which you don't get to experience at a bigger company so i mm-hmm. feel uh working at a startup can actually grow or let a designer grow in various aspects especially mm-hmm. constraints like budget constraints and resource constraints uh those you will never see at a bigger setup or a bigger company and i feel like uh, those constraints plus also the kind of demographic that a startup might be trying to target it mm-hmm. it helps you to grow it helps you to grow into a very different kind of designer it helps you to grow into a different mindset and try to solve problems that are not very uh main scale level like b2c sort of a problems you get to solve a lot of b2b problems and logistical problems as well uh, working mm-hmm. at a very very small startup got it yeah so it seems like joining a startup early on will allow you to wear many different hats and also even you mentioned a really interesting point which is about the business side of things like you mentioned budgeting constraints and maybe even like how this design will help us generate revenue for the startup so the startup can actually keep going so i think the business aspect is also a really interesting part that potentially younger designers can learn at a startup yeah i think i think now uh, working or in a startup nowadays can also helps you to let's say i work in a logistic startup or you know like a company which is doing like couriers and all uh, as an early stage designer uh, you will get to work both on b2c as well as b2b but mm. a same company a bigger company setup of problem a same problem uh, when you join that particular company you will see that the bigger company will allow you to work either on b2c or b2b set of problems so that's what that's what i meant by learning like for example the learnings that you get working at a very very small company might be completely exponential it will be like completely different as compared to working at a bigger company i wanted to also shift gears in terms of the type of work that you'll be doing and but this time not in terms of startup versus big company but um more about designing in different cultures so I know a lot of content online seems to revolve around Western design. You are like designed in the States. And so with your experience working in India and also Singapore, another topic that I wanted to delve into is design in these two different places. So I think just on a broader scheme of things, general sense, what's the design scene like in India um, and also Southeast Asia? Right. um so in terms of southeast asia the the good thing uh, the kind of design constraints that you get to see uh, are slightly different as compared to 
India. So mm. to give you a, a give you a perspective, so like let's say if you're designing a fintech, if you're designing for a fintech company in India versus you're designing for a fintech company in uh, let's say Singapore or Southeast Asia, uh, mm-hmm. the kind of problems are very different because let's say in India you have uh, India is a big country and you have like a set of rules and regulations that the government or you know the mm-hmm. RBI is basically putting on uh, putting on the companies for mm-hmm. them to operate as a fintech company or for the, them to operate as a wallet. Once you know those constraints, you can basically apply it to the entire product. But when you work for a company which is Southeast Asia based and their target audience or personas are in Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. you one, you have to make sure that your particular application is vernacular in terms of you have to make sure that it has like so many different languages that you need to take care of. Like you have mm-hmm. Thai, you have Filipino, uh, mm-hmm. and then you have, uh, you know, like Indonesia, like Bahasa in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, each of these countries, since they are so small, each of these countries actually have their own fintech rules and regulations. So even if you design one fintech application, you have to mm-hmm. change that application, the uh, heuristics, the interaction design, everything has to be changed based on that country that you are designing for right you, you mentioned some of the differences and also um some of the similarities um i'm curious when you're um like building products as you mentioned on top of like considering languages and also different cultures are there any other differences between like let's say like the product development cycle um between like b- building in india versus like, singapore i mean definitely uh in terms of visuals colors uh like color theory and all you need to take into account like okay this country or this particular country has certain they look at a particular visual or they look at a particular uh, icon design or you know, like a little bit of a color differences they feel like okay this particular mm-hmm. color might be uh, hurting some sentiments in a particular country definitely mm-hmm. those have to be taken care of as you move from country to country so today if i'm developing an application that is going to be focused on audiences in UAE versus focused on audiences in India versus focused on audiences in Southeast Asia, I think my app design will drastically change because each of these countries are or regions are very, very different from each other. And you have to go mm-hmm. into a more of a discovery phase where you have to try to understand their ethnicity, uh, local taste and flavors and uh, try to see, okay, like what is termed good and what is termed bad in those particular regions so in that case like when you're considering different ethnicity and also cultures i'm curious in that case is it when you're designing you're thinking about all these different cultures or is it more you'll design for a specific culture launch it let's say in a country and then start thinking about how to apply it to other countries or how to like kind of i guess like bring it to other countries is what i'm trying to say or is it something that's already ingrained in the design process? I think uh, usually you tend to do that, like exactly what you try to explain. Uh, so usually if a, even if a company or a product wants to launch it, like even if they have like a master plan of launching the product in, let's say, I don't know, 35 different countries or something, uh, they will mm-hmm. still not do it in a single go because uh, you get to learn a lot of things when you launch it in a, single region so let's say if i launch a product in the uae region uh, i will have like mm-hmm. a i will have like a 
monitoring phase where I will see how the application is being uh, looked at or how the application is being basically operated upon by the users for at mm -hmm. least like three to six months and try to mm -hmm. try to basically solve a lot of bugs and problems that users might encounter while working with the application. And then mm -hmm. once I feel that, okay, I'm like at a stage where I'm comfortable or, you know, the application is very stable in terms of performance, in terms of usage, server issues, all those sort of things, then I would actually think, okay, like, let me go uh, capture the market in a different region altogether. And also when you develop an application for multiple regions, you actually have to take, you mm -hmm. have to actually have to think about the competitor in every single market as well. So you have to think, okay, like for example, there are two, three factors. So like one is the digital penetration of a market. So in, in a country like Singapore, the digital penetration is very, very high, but in a country like India, the digital penetration is not that high as you would want it to be. Mm -hmm. Right. So that kind of changes the paradigm completely. Like now you are designing for an audience that is not that digitally literate versus designing for an audience that is very digitally literate. So that changes. Plus you have to also see how many companies are operating in a particular region. Like, are they successful? Are they not successful? Can you learn from their mistakes? Can you learn from their, uh, you know, past experiences and then ingrain those things in your application. So I think when you're going from market to market, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to discover in between. But I would love to delve into another theme, which is writing. And this is actually how I discovered you in the first place. I know you're a prolific online writer on Medium. You have 25K followers. And last time I checked, you have been posting super consistently almost every single day. And as a person who also writes blog articles and also is producing content, it's taking a step back. Like why and how did you decide to you know, deep dive and start actually producing content via writing. Right. I think that's a pretty interesting journey that I had. So actually when I was working at a, at a company called startup, uh, like a company called hike messenger, when I was working at a company called hike messenger, I actually got into developing a little bit more content for myself as, as well as, uh, for my audiences uh, back then I did not have a very big audience, but I think the main idea that I had was I was actually listening to a podcast and one of the designers in the podcast, they told us you should basically start um, documenting your work. You should basically document mm -hmm. uh, your process, your work, whatever thoughts come to your mind, you should start documenting them online so that others can read and learn from it. And also it kind of creates, mm -hmm. helps you to create a repository of work that you might actually go back and look at. So I actually started documenting my work while I was working at Hike Messenger. That was the beginning of creating of content. Like I actually, I felt, okay, like back then I felt, okay, I'll start just documenting my work. But then this was like 2018. So I started writing on Medium on 2018 and I actually wrote just seven articles or seven blog posts that year. Mm -hmm. And then it kept changing, like it kept improving. So uh, in 2019 and wrote nine, then 16, then 38, 82. And then I think this year I just like wrote 21 articles or 21 blog posts on medium. Mm -hmm. um, and I think my my thinking also kept changing. So 
I think start when I was starting to write on Medium, I just wanted to document my process. I just want to document some of the work that I'm doing full time or freelancing, uh, and that was the main idea. Mm. Um, right. Then I actually moved from documenting my work to documenting my thoughts. So I thought that okay, like for example, I mm. uh, was talking to this designer, I was talking to this engineer, and I we had like a pretty long conversation, and I want to just document that particular conversation or the learnings that I had from that conversation. That was like phase mm-hmm. two, and then I think phase three was basically me saying that okay, now I just want to document every thought that comes to my mind. So like I think one of the articles that I wrote on Medium that became pretty viral was the Pringles article. Mm-hmm. So I was basically in Singapore. I was walking down the aisle uh, in a grocery store, and I saw the new mm-hmm. Pringles. Uh, chips on the aisle and i just picked it up and mm-hmm. i saw okay like the branding has changed a lot in pringles like like the previous brand uh, branding that i came to know in pringles that is no longer the one it is now mm-hmm. more flatter it is more roundish uh, cleaner mm-hmm. and also things and i i went back home after that grocery shopping and i started documenting those thoughts like i started documenting how pringles has changed i did some research online and i Put together an article and just like published it, and I think I think a few few days later I saw that okay like thousands and thousands of readers are reading the article. I was getting a lot of recognition on wow. Twitter and all. I yeah I I definitely should check out that article. That was probably back in you said that was back in uh twenty nineteen. I think twenty nineteen twenty twenty. Yeah, I think twenty twenty nineteen or twenty twenty. I basically uh just wrote that article. Um, without thinking too much about it but uh, that article mm-hmm. helped me to understand okay like for example if i document some some thoughts of mine even that could be useful or usable by other people and that's when i started documenting a lot of other things and i also like when i'm writing on medium i actually stick to a particular framework called as 1990 framework so what i try to do is mm-hmm. you basically mentioned that you noticed that i'm actually Uh, publishing on medium regularly like on a daily basis and uh, actually mm-hmm. get into that particular kind of a sprint sort of a analogy where i try to publish 90 pieces of something in 90 days and it's like a sprint so like for example let's say i do 90 things or 90 publishing in 90 days i can then take like a little few weeks or few months of breather and then come back to uh, doing it 90 more times again so what that does is wow. it kind of helps me to also grow as a designer and also helps me to learn a few more aspects of it so if i do something for 90 days like 90 times i i feeling like right. you actually get to be a pretty good master of it like you won't master the every single part of it but then you learn a lot mm-hmm. like after producing 90 pieces you learn a lot right that's still crazy though like i'm i'm trying to think like one article per day for 90 straight days like how do you manage that on top of having a full time job and just life in general um i mean right now life is pretty hectic for me so i'm like taking a break from <laughs> writing on medium uh but but mm-hmm. i think uh, i th- i think when you are writing consistently or when you're trying to do something consistently it's literally like uh just taking out or scheduling like one or two hours in a day to do that to just mm-hmm. write something so when i say 1990 a lot of people feel like 
okay i i want to publish 90 pieces 90 days but that is actually never the case like i have never published 90 pieces in 90 days uh, honestly uh, what i actually end mm-hmm. up doing is i published 90 pieces in let's say uh, 180 days or i published 90 pieces in 365 days like over a period of one year i published mm-hmm. 90 pieces so yeah usually the only thing that i have to do is i think i attended this talk by seth gordon once and he basically said that he mm-hmm. had a chat with one of his friends who is a very prolific writer in the author mm-hmm. community and he basically said that he just spends writing something every day um and i think that is very important like you just have to be disciplined enough to just go back to the drawing board every day and just start writing something on a blank canvas like i think that is more important versus publish publishing 90 pieces or you know like chasing a particular target and then what i think uh, i took away from that particular podcast by seth godin was uh, you you will start seeing that your writing will improve or whatever craft that you are trying to pursue that will improve if you do it every single day even if you do it for one hour every single day you'll just like improve slightly and then very quickly you will see you are actually publishing more pieces or you are getting thing mm-hmm. more of this done um, and i think that is what happens when you are doing something very very consistently I, I think the same can be applied to everything like writing i, think, I don't know like recording mm-hmm. uh, creating a youtube video yeah. or even like i think uh, talking to students they always ask us things like oh how do you improve your visual design skills like i think the answer is very very simple you just have to practice 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 like you have to practice on a single daily basis just create something doesn't need to be very very good right. just create something and get it out of your system mm, right so strive for consistency and improvements will come along the way if you maintain that consistency yeah i'm also curious like um you you've been writing for like since 2018 like how how did writing contribute to enhancing your product design skills? Uh, so writing actually helps me a lot in terms of putting my ideas together. So I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like when you're doing something like let's say a visual design mock-up or when you're trying to create like a like a dribble shot, right? You basically do not think about oh how did I go from a white canvas to an actual dribble shot or how did I go about doing that but when you are actually thinking okay like like i go and ask you okay go how do you record this particular podcast like what is your process you'll take a pause and then you will basically start thinking from your day one like okay how do you invite her how do you invite a speaker how do you basically put together a set of questions what are the different processes that you go through to do that it does do you need to also improve certain parts of your question asking skills like how do you basically, mm. you know, like how do you basically form a question? What are the different kind of speakers that you talk to? How do you change your uh, wavelength and the way you are asking questions uh, based on the kind of right. experience that a particular speaker might be having? And these are all small pieces of your process that you never talk to uh, anyone about. Mm-hmm. Those are some things, some things that right. you never document. And when you start documenting those, when you start documenting your thoughts unconsciously or conscious thoughts you will see that you have to dig in a lot you have to basically get into a more of an introspective mindset and then you have to start Mm -hmm. writing those one by one you have to start writing an outline and then you have to start filling in those thoughts in the outline you have to change the 
climax, anticlimax, or the flow of the article or the flow of the outline based mm -hmm. on how you perceive a reader might be reading it, and then structure it well, uh, package it well, put like a cover image on top of it, and then you just like publish it. Mm -hmm. right? So I think it's like similar to like a product design, like you don't just launch an app for, uh, with like one screen or you just like don't launch an app with like a wireframe. You basically do a lot of things. You do design system, you put on top of it, you put colors, mm -hmm. you put like visual elements, you put like user flows, then you package it, you market it, you launch it on a Play Store and App Store. And it's like a single package. So mm -hmm. I feel like writing is similar to that, but it also helps you to put together your thoughts in a single place. Like right now, if I have to, mm -hmm. it doesn't come very often to you. Like it doesn't come very naturally to you when you start writing, like, like putting together your thoughts or mm -hmm. consolidating your thoughts on a piece of paper or on a digital canvas. That is not very obvious. Mm -hmm. It's not a very obvious thing to do for a lot of us. And I feel that is a learning curve. It, it kind of helps you to consolidate a lot of things that goes in your mindset without you actually even noticing it. I wanted to, I know we're almost out of time, so I wanted to ask the final question, which is basically, if you're not facing yourself, but 20 years old, so back in college, what career slash life advice will you tell the young DJ? I think uh, one of the advice that I would give my younger self is to just do it a little bit more sooner, like do it way, way faster or sooner. Like I think, I think one of the good things that I've, my younger self has done is trying out a lot of things, like trying mm -hmm. out very, very many things to basically stumble upon design as the mm -hmm. final, you know, something that I really enjoy doing. But I feel like a lot of the things that I did in my career or uh, in my past has been a little bit more slow on the more of a slower side because I was contemplating on various things, pros and cons, life choices, all sorts of things. But I feel like with anything that you're trying to do with life, just do it sooner. If you mm -hmm. do it sooner, I think the, the pros and cons or the final results come to you pretty quickly versus you just sitting on the sidelines and contemplating whether you should do it or not. So like, I guess instead of trying to keep thinking about like whether this is actually good for me, it's probably much faster to actually go ahead and do it. And then through like trial and error, see what you like. And it seems like that's what happened to you in terms of landing onto design. Yeah, I think I think uh, as we grow as a human being, uh, we actually stop doing something that is like fast, like we stop uh, doing something fast enough, we start mm -hmm. contemplating and start thinking more intuitively, okay, like, should I do this? Should I not do this? But I feel at the end of the day, uh, you kind of regret not doing something versus doing something. So I feel like just getting into that particular mindset of doing something fast enough and uh, not letting it be a hurdle towards uh, inaction sort of a thing. Yeah, DJ, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the show today. I really enjoy the conversation. And yeah, thank you so much. Yep, thanks. Thanks, Go, for inviting me over. I uh, definitely enjoyed the conversation a lot. Like there were a lot of good things that you asked and a lot of things that I had to introspect to give you answers for this particular podcast session. So thank you. Hey there, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate your time. And again, before we say goodbye, 
My name is Guo, and you've just listened to the Not Just Pixel Show, and I'll see you in the next episode.